but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we praise you. Thank you so much, Father, for this church, the joy of this church. Um, Father, it's one of my favorite things is just to, to, to see and to hear everybody in this church loving on each other. Uh, Father, that's what you, you are love. God is love. You tell us that in 1 John. And to see this church lead with your love every single day, it, it's a beautiful thing to sit back and watch and listen to. And uh, Father, I just ask that you continue to grow us in that area, um, continue to make us stronger lovers. Uh, Father, that's something that this country needs more than anything. Um, I feel that there's so many people out there that don't understand that that's what they need to lead with. Um, I know that not only will that better our country, but Father, it'll grow your kingdom. So Father, I, I, I ask for that over not just this congregation, but our community, the state, Father, our country, and the world. Father, today you have given me a sermon. Uh, this series has been um, mine. It, it's been eye-opening to me. Uh, you've given me a lot of different a lot of different lessons through these great heroes. And um, today, the two that we're going to talk about, Father, you've, you've had on my heart for a while. I thank you for putting them there. And Father, I just ask that I deliver your message in your way. So Father, in this moment, I'm asking, Father, I need you to anoint me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Father, that you take all of my doubt, pride, distractions. Father, you take that away from me and replace it with your boldness today, Father, and most importantly, your love. Ask these things in your name. Help us to love, laugh, and forgive. Amen. There was a really old man that was out fishing one day. He had retired, and uh, he loved to go fishing. That was really his only hobby that he had. So anyway, he goes out. He's going fishing one day, and this guy's probably, I don't know, you know, he's old, you know, he's 80, 85, you know, I don't know, we'll, we'll just say his name is, is Don, okay? <laughs> so Don's out fishing, and he hears something on the side of the boat, like out in the water, and he's like, what is that? And it says, pick me up. And he's like, I swear I heard a voice. He's looking around, you know, first thought somebody was drowning or something like that, and he don't see anybody. So he went on fishing. A little bit later, we heard it again. I said, pick me up. So finally, he just leaned over the side of the boat, and there was this frog, Frog looked at him and said, didn't you hear me? I said, pick me up. So Don reaches down. He picks up this frog. Frog says, if you'll kiss me, I will turn into the most beautiful bride that you've ever seen. I'll make every man in the world jealous of you. Not only will I be the most beautiful, I'll be the most submissive bride that you've ever had. And the man kind of looked at him for a minute. And he was, eh, you know, and he put him in his pocket. That's what he did. Don put him in his pocket. And, and the frog was like, wait a minute, didn't you hear what I said? If you kiss me, I will turn into this great bride and so forth. And Don looked down at that frog and he said, at my age, I'd rather have a talking frog. <laughs> the smart guy, right? I mean, we should always seek wisdom for those who have lived before us. Amen? For the last few weeks, we've been on a journey, guys. We have gone way back in time to the Old Testament. For the last few weeks, we have been on a journey. And this journey has led us to many heroes in the Old Testament. Uh, this week, we're going to continue this series, which is Lessons from the Past. That's what it's entitled. Uh, we have learned in the last few weeks stories of Nehemiah, Noah, Job. And then last week, we taught on King Asa. 
Uh, today we're going to talk about a very courageous man and a very courageous woman. Yes, I said woman. Ladies, I have not forgotten about y'all, I promise. I live with four women, I can't forget about y'all. Amen? <laughs> this man and woman were related, they were cousins, and they played a huge role in saving the Jewish nation from annihilation around the time of 500 B.C. Today we're going to talk about Mordecai and Esther. You get your Bibles out, guys. If you got your Bible, go straight to Esther chapter one. We're going to be in chapter one through verse, or excuse me, through chapter four. You can follow along as I go. Not going to spend a ton of time in chapter one, so be ready to get to chapter two as quick as possible. I'll give you a second to get there. Show of hands, who in here likes cake? I love cake. Strawberry cake. I've, I've preached on strawberry cake before, right? It takes ingredients to make a cake, guys. These ingredients, uh, they, they don't taste good alone. I mean, you take salt, butter, baking powder. Nobody wants to eat baking powder by itself, right? That's disgusting. Flour, raw eggs. Every time I think of raw eggs, I think of the movie Rocky when he used to drink raw eggs all the time. But you see, when you mix these ingredients together, it's like manna from heaven, right? That's what God does. He takes unrelated things, mixes them together, and forms something amazing. No story in the Bible better illustrates God's ability to do that than the book of Esther. The book of Esther is very unique, guys. It is the only book in the Bible where God's name is not found. From the first verse of chapter 1 to the last verse of chapter 10, you will not see God's name. But even though God's name is not present in the book of Esther, his fingerprints are all over it. This still happens today. In many cases of chaos, you may not hear God's name come up, but it is undeniable that he is at work behind the scenes. Here in the book of Esther, the Jewish people are under the rule of Persia. Uh, in chapter 1 and chapter 2, King Xerxes, who is the king of Persia, is having a party. Okay, we're going to break this party down a little bit for you guys. King Xerxes, he, uh, he messed up. He had, had a little bit too much to drink at this party. Has that ever happened to any of y'all before? <laughs> y'all a bunch of liars. <laughs> he decides he wants to show off his wife to his friends and the other leaders of Persia wants to show his wife off. Now, I need to understand something. When he wants to show his wife off, it, it ain't like she in there cooking, okay? Like, he's, it's like, use your imagination. The queen refuses good for her, right? Amen? But this infuriates the king. I mean, the king gets very upset about this, and he calls the council that he had, it was all men, a bunch of sexist pigs together, and, and he decides they're going to banish the queen because she didn't want to come in and show herself off, right? After the king sobers up, he realizes he made a bad decision. He became very sad and depressed. He went from drunk to Prozac. Anybody else in here done that before? Because of this sadness, the king's council decides to bring in many young, beautiful virgin women for the king to pick up from, or to, to pick from, for his next queen. And obviously, he really liked this idea. This is where Mordecai and Esther enter the scene. We're going to look at Esther chapter 2, verse 7. 
He, this is Mordecai, was bringing up Hadasha, that is Esther. By the way, real quick, I, I want to point this out. Esther, I don't know if y'all know this, but the name Esther actually means star. Just to give you a heads up. I mean, this woman, she's a star, right? The daughter of his uncle, uh, for she had neither father nor mother. So she's an orphan, right? Uh, the young woman had a beautiful figure and was lovely to look at. And when her father and her mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. Esther was good to look at. She was some kind of fine. I mean, that's basically what it's saying here, right? I mean, anytime the Bible tells you that somebody had a great figure and a pretty face, that pretty good-looking woman. Because of this, uh, this, this, this form that she had in her face, Esther was chosen as one of the women that the king would choose from to become his new queen. However, there was a problem here. Even though Esther had it going on, like I said, beautiful woman, so forth, she had, uh, she had one flaw, and that was that she was a Jew. The leadership did not want a Jewish person to be the queen, obviously. So Mordecai told Esther not to reveal her nationality to the leaders. In other words, he told her just stand there and look pretty. That's what he wanted her to do. And the thing is, guys, it worked. Let's go look at Esther 2, 16 through 17. Esther was taken to King Xerxes at the royal palace in early winter of the seventh year of his reign. And the king loved Esther more than any of the other young women. He was so delighted with her that he set the royal crown on her head and declared her queen. Didn't take him long. Because of Esther's position, she was able to get Mordecai a position at the palace. This is after she became queen, she was able to get her cousin, who was taking care of her because she was an orphan, a, an official palace there, or excuse me, official position there at the palace. Guys, this is lesson number one that we can learn from Esther here. Once you reach the top, don't forget the people who got you there. Don't forget that. There's a lot of little things that Esther does through this book, and we're going to talk about some of that today. But I highly recommend, because I don't have time to go at every single detail, this woman had an amazing heart. She was a loving person. Make sure that you go back and read this book on your own time. It's a short book, 10 chapters. Make sure you go back and read it. But this is a great lesson, again, that she teaches here. Make sure that everybody knows or did you take care of those people you remember those people once you accomplish the goals that they helped you get to just a couple days ago i was watching a documentary on emmett smith you know cowboy fan right okay emmett smith's all-time leading rusher in nfl history in his retirement speech in the first 10 minutes he thanked 127 people in the first 10 minutes didn't say a word about himself, but he thanked 127 people that got him to that point. He celebrated his retirement with all of those 127 people. Guys, as Christians, we need to do the same thing. We did this last week here at the church. We had a visitor that came. His name was Robert Brooks, who was a big part of the ministry years ago. And I said this last week, without that man, this church isn't here today. It's not what it is today without Robert Brooks. And with all the other men and women that helped us become a church, right? We got to make sure that we give these people recognition, guys. Never think that this was all you. It's never all you. Yeah, amen. At the very end of chapter 2, after Mordecai received his position, he actually saved the king's life, okay? So two men had plotted to kill the king. Mordecai overheard it. He got the information to Esther. Esther ended up helping getting this information to the king. Anyway, saved the king's life. Everything was taken care of there. But before we move to chapter 3, 
okay? There are two very important things we need to get from chapter 2. The first thing is, and I need you all to grab these and just hang on to them, write them down, whatever it is that you need to do, but the first thing is Esther's age. It's very important that we remember her age. If uh, you look at verse 16, it tells you Esther was taken to King Xerxes at the royal palace in the early winter of the seventh year of King Xerxes' reign, okay? Seventh year. He started looking in the third year for a new wife. That's when he booted, you know, his old queen because she wouldn't come show herself off. That was in third year. So we're talking, this is four years later. Four years has passed when Esther becomes queen. Now, in that four-year time frame, we don't know exactly when Esther arrived, uh, but the Bible says it wasn't long after that that Xerxes had started his quest. Excuse me, it wasn't long after that that he chose her as his new wife. Uh, we also know Xerxes met with Esther, and, and again, quickly he announced her as queen. Okay, so the reason I bring all this up, guys, traditionally at that time, a woman, especially a Jewish woman, would get married around the age of 13 or 14. So because of how fast he picked Esther, she was probably between the ages of 15 and 16. 15, 16 years of age, she becomes the queen of Persia. Remember that. Write that down because we're going to come back to it. Number two, I want you to see how much God favored Esther in this single chapter. Just in chapter two alone, how many times Esther was blessed. If you could pull that up for me, Nick. Again, guys, go back and read this book, but you'll see this as you go. But in, in verse 2-7, you've got uh, undeniable beauty. God blessed her with beauty, right? God gave her a guardian. Remember, she was an orphan. And then she has a cousin that steps in to take care of her. There's a lot of orphans out there in the world today, guys, that don't have that family guardian that steps up. God blessed her with that. Gave her a chance to become queen. She was one of the girls that the king got to pick from. God placed Haggai in her life. That's also, again, in verse 2, what that is, Haggai ended up being somebody that befriended her, mentored her, and kind of told her what to do in order to win the king over. Okay? So God places a mentor in her life. She becomes the queen. God blesses her and lets her become the queen. God shows her favor to her family. When she got Mordecai a job, that's showing favor to her family, right? And then God saves her husband's life. When Mordecai saw that these two men were trying to kill him, came up with a scheme, he turns it in, king doesn't die. Now, again, remember this, guys. It's very important that we remember, and it's pretty cool, there's seven blessings there in chapter 2, right? That kind of caught my attention. But remember, this is what's going on. And it's really cool to see how God is working again in the background, taking care of her, giving her a guardian, making her beautiful, all these things that he's doing and blessing her, obviously there's a reason for this. We'll get to that. King Xerxes started looking, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong spot. Sorry, guys. So moving forward, it's very important that you remember again the age and that you remember the blessings. At the beginning of chapter 3, an evil man appears. So we're in chapter 3 now. His name is Haman. King Xerxes promotes Haman to be the most powerful official in the empire, only second to him, only second to the king alone. King Xerxes commands all the people of the land to bow to Haman. However, Mordecai refuses. Sets a great example here. My question to you guys is, can you do that? You know, the ways that the world is today, we've got so many people that are against Christianity or against us speaking out, and we've got too many people that are too passive on that. 
we've got too many people that are staying quiet. So my question to you today is, are you willing to bow to the world over God? I know that sounds like something like, Mike, you're saying that in a church. Of course we're going to bow to God. We're not going to bow to the world. But I need you to think about something, guys. There's going to come a point that we're going to have to make some decisions in life. And when those decisions come up, you need to remember who you truly need to bow to. Amen? I always think about the movie Braveheart. Show of hands, who's seen that movie? Braveheart, great movie, right? Mel Gibson did a great job. Anyway, I always think about it at the very end. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of bad, but when, he was, when they were going to kill him at the very end, and they were just saying, all you got to do is say mercy. Just say mercy. And the crowd is shouting at him, mercy. And he wouldn't do it. He would not do it. Guys, do not fall to the temptations of Satan. When he comes to you and says, mercy, you say what, say what Mel Gibson said, freedom. Stay away from what Satan's trying to call mercy. Let's go pick it back up, uh, Esther chapter 3. We're going to read verses 3 through 6. Then the palace officials at the king's gate asked Mordecai, why are you disobeying the king's command? They spoke to him day after day, but still he refused to comply with the order. So they spoke to Haman about this to see if he would tolerate Mordecai's conduct since Mordecai had told them he was a Jew. Verse 5. When Haman saw that Mordecai would not bow down or show him respect, he was filled with rage. He had learned of Mordecai's nationality, that he was a Jew, so he decided it was not enough to lay hands just on Mordecai alone. Instead, he looked for a way to destroy all the Jews throughout the entire empire of Xerxes. Now, y'all going to find something here that we're going to spend a little time on. I want you to notice when we read verses 3 through 4, Haman did not get upset about Mordecai not bowing to him until somebody came to him and told him. Stirred up the pot, right? How many people in here have someone in their life that way? Got another question for you. How many people in here is that person? You don't like somebody, so you're going to turn everybody else against them. They did something wrong to you. They posted something on social media that upset you. So you're going to go tell all your friends about it. Don't be friends with that person. Stay away from that person. Look what they did to me. Guys, what I need you to grasp here again, Haman didn't care until somebody brought it to his attention. And it cost him his life. It cost him his life. Do not let people persuade you into how you should feel. If things don't bother you and they bring it to your attention, don't just ignore them. It didn't bother you. Keep moving. See, we get so caught up in what other people think and what other people feel, and, and, and then we start thinking, you know, well, they're going to think I'm, you know, I'm not tough, you know, or I'm not standing up for myself. Guys, listen, I promise you this, and this is, we've talked about this many times about meekness. There's a time when you can stand up, and you'll feel it stirring from the Holy Spirit. But any other time, it's not important enough. Choose your battles wisely, Christian warriors. Choose them wisely. 
it's sad, guys. I, I see this all the time in churches. I've been a part of churches where I've seen this, where, you know, the, 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 the pastor said something to somebody or preached something that they didn't like, and the next thing you know, they're going around telling all their friends, you know, you don't need to go to that church. This is what he said. This is what his belief is. This is and the thing is, is these other people, they, they didn't even know. It didn't bother them at all. But you see this happen a lot in churches, and it's a shame. I've said it many times, guys. If you're not on guard and if this church is not on guard, Satan will find his way to slither in. We have to be on guard. And I need you all to understand something. It's not just the pastor. It's not just leadership. It's all of us. We're a team. We have to be on guard. We must protect this church. We've got something great going here. Let's continue to protect it. Amen? We see here that Haman decided it wasn't enough to just kill Mordecai. He wants to kill all the Jews. So Haman goes to King Xerxes and sets up a decree that would allow everyone to kill all the Jews and take their possessions, their money, their land, their cattle, sheep, camels, everything they have. Now Mordecai hears about this decree and he sends a message to Esther asking for help. Esther starts to backslide. You can read that. She starts to say, you know, I can't go in if he hasn't asked for me. You know, there are people that die because they do that. He'll, you know, I haven't seen him in 30 days. That was another thing that she said. I can't do this. She starts to backslide. Then Mordecai replies back with another note. We're going to look at that right here. That's chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in a palace, you will escape when all other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. Remember I told you guys of all those blessings God was working in the background, putting all these blessings together because he knew he wanted Esther in this position at this time. He was baking that cake that I talked about at the beginning. He was placing the ingredients in. He was stirring it up, and he was putting her in the right position. Mordecai is trying to make sure that Esther understands that she is only blessed with the position of queen because God blessed her with it. He's telling her that God put you in this position for such a time as this. He's telling her that she needs to use her blessings from God to bless people, or excuse me, to bless God's people by saving their lives. Guys, God blesses you to be a blesser. He doesn't bless you just for you. It's not how our God works. If you think that's how it works, you ain't got him figured out. You need to understand the quickest way, guys. In fact, pull this up for me, Nick. Y'all write this down. The quickest way to cut off your blessing is to keep your blessing to yourself. Man, I'm harping on churches today. 
you see a lot of rich people do this, right? They, man, they hang on to that money. They don't, they don't give it out. They don't bless it to anybody. And, you know, I've said it many times, you know, you can't, you can't die or take your money with you. I've never seen a hearse followed by a U-Haul, right? I mean, it just doesn't happen. Guys, God blesses us to bless others. All right, yeah, I'm going to say this. So, so here's the thing. When we first started the church three years ago, Guys, we, we were poor. I mean, we're still poor. But, I mean, we're really poor, okay? Like, we didn't have no money to start this church. God provided along the way. He always provides. And to this day, guys, I need you all to understand this. This church, since day one to now, has never needed anything. He has supplied everything. Every time, I said didn't need anything. There was nothing that we were stressed about. Every time we had a situation where we needed income, he provided it. Every single time. To this day, he's still doing that. And I need y'all to catch something here. We don't preach on that. How often do I come up here and preach to y'all about money? Once a year. Once a year, I teach a sermon on offerings. Guys, God will supply. If, if, if that's your number one thought process, he ain't going to supply it. If you just look at it and say, okay, yeah, we need this. We need this for the church. You need it for your family. But if you don't stress about it, God assures you he will provide you with all your needs. He's not going to let you, he's not going to let you fall apart. He's going to take care of you, and that's what he's done with this church. But anyway, I had to tell that real quick. But here's the reason I bring that up. When we first started, I'll never forget Again, we were struggling to get a piece of property. We were struggling to just find a place to rent at that time. And I look at other churches all, around, all across the United States, all across the United States, who have millions and millions of dollars in the bank. Guys, one day... I feel we're going to be that church that will be financially stable and we'll, we won't have to worry about anything. And I need y'all to know right now, if we find out that another church is being planted and they're struggling, we're fixing to help. We're fixing to help. I don't understand why other churches aren't stepping up in this area. In fact, it really frustrates me. And I know that some other churches are serving in other areas or putting money in different places, but the thing is, is they're, they're bringing it in faster than they can put it out, and that's a problem. No church should be hanging on to money. So I just want y'all to know in the future when I come to you guys one day and I say, hey guys, there's a church that's planting, it may be a mile from here. I don't care. I don't care. We're going to help them. And I'm going to need y'all's help to help them. All one church, amen? I'm going to put this, guys, into church perspective. You know, we're talking about when God blesses, you need to bless back. But I want you all to think about this. God blesses us with gifts. My question to you is, are you using your gift to grow the church? If you don't have the courage to step up and use the blessings or the gifts that God has given you to build his kingdom, I'm telling you today the same thing that Mordecai told Esther. God will find someone else. He doesn't need you, but he wants you. You see, God has a plan. We can't ever stop that plan, guys. He's going to make sure his plan is fulfilled. I promise you that. But again, he wants us to be a part of it. 
He gives us that opportunity. Christian warriors, again, the gifts that you have, if you're not using that to build the church that you're a part of, that's a problem. We need help. Even now, I mean, we've been here three and a half years. Here's the thing, it's a great problem, guys. We're, we're growing extremely fast. It's a great problem to have. But because of this growth, we're lacking in serving areas. So I'm asking you guys today to pray on this. We need the help. Be an Esther. Step up and use those gifts to help build the kingdom, guys. And I'm going to tell you right now, guys, if, if you can't, you got two choices. You can either jump on God's movement or you can watch it move by. The choice is yours. We call ourselves Christian warriors. Guys, do you know what a Christian warrior is? Christian warrior is someone that God has blessed, but they never forget where the blessings came from. Christian warrior takes their blessings and blesses others. A Christian warrior uses their blessings for one reason and one reason only, and that is to build the blessor's kingdom. That needs to be our focus every day, guys. Live up to the name that we hold so dear. Live up to that Christian warrior name. It's what we're supposed to be. Esther was a Christian warrior. With courage, after all this happened, she stepped up. She put her life on the line and revealed Haman's plan to the king. The king stopped Haman's plan by having him put to death and then putting a new decree in place for the Jewish people to be able to protect themselves. And catch this, guys. I told you to remember the age. Esther did this at the ripe age of 15 to 16 years of age. We got kids in here that age right now. This goes to show all of you young people that age is just a number to God. He'll use you just like he will use an older person. Don't think just because you're young, you can't make a difference and that you can't build God's kingdom. You young people need to always remember that a teenager saved the entire nation of Israel. And I'm going to tell you all somebody else since today's July 4th weekend, weekend, Somebody else that was Christian warriors, and that was our forefathers. These are men that stepped up for what they believed in, the Christian rights of this country. They fought for that, guys. I'm going to leave you guys with this, and it's exactly what Mordecai said to Esther. Maybe God has blessed you for such a time as this. The time is now. Quit being lazy Christians, guys. There's too many of those already out there. Churches are full of them. It's time you quit watching from the sidelines and start using the gifts God gave you to get into the game. I've got a serving card here. I'm going to call these things out. I just want you right now to think on this. You know, it's funny. We teach more about serving than we do about money. I love that. You want me to tell you all why that is? What was Jesus? He was a server. We're supposed to mimic him the best that we can. We're supposed to live a life as close to his as we can. We need greeters. 
We need prayer team members. We need help with warrior kids. Thanks, Nick. We need security. Outreach. Mikey, would you like to have some more outreach? You bet. Setup crew, cleanup crew. What that is is before service, we need people to come in here, straighten the seats, help out. We've got a guy that does that for us. He's tired. He needs some more help, guys. Praise and worship team. Tech team. Dustin, you need a day off? Yep. <laughs> guys, I really do. I want you all to think on this. I want you to pray on this because here's what I want to leave you all with today. There's a season coming of major growth for this church. I'm already seeing it. Guys, it, it's, listen, it, it's July 4th weekend. We're, we're 80% full. I promise you, you can go in a lot of churches right now in this town, and they're not 50% full today. We have a major blessing here. I want to use it. We need to use it. We need to use it to build this kingdom. And guys, we can't do it by ourselves. We need help. So I'm asking y'all to take this list. Look over it. Pray over it. And grasp this. Don't do what you want to do. You do what God gave you the gift to do. Understood? We need your help.